What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is Sarah Caney. She is a new friend of mine here in the ATX who has a powerful story that I am honored to share in hopes to encourage you to learn from it. Sadly, Sarah lost her husband to colorectal cancer in his early 30s, and she has had to overcome numerous obstacles that many of us have not had to endure and may never have to. This story hits extremely close to home for me as I've struggled dealing with my own gastrointestinal issues over my entire lifetime. And to be honest, it was a hard conversation for me to have. I'm extremely proud of Sarah for sharing her story with such elegance, and I hope it leads you to remember how precious life can be. If there was ever an episode that reminded us all to make every heartbeat count, it is this one. Please welcome to the show, Sarah Caney. What's up, fam? It's another Thrive Thursday. CJ Finley here with the Thrive on Life podcast. It's super exciting today because not only is it New Year's Eve, but I have an inspiring human being sitting across from me at the HQ, Mrs. Sarah Caney. And I'm extremely excited for this conversation because we connect on so many levels. And she's somebody I recently met and has already had a positive impact on my life and the way that I look at my life. And I'm looking forward to giving that same vibe to you guys going into this new year. But my first question is, how are you doing today, Sarah? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. Looking forward to the new year. What is one of the things you're looking forward to most going into the new year into 2021. Um, I'm just happy that 2020 is over. <laughs> I feel like it was such a sh- crazy shit show. As hard as the year was, I think there's been a lot of positive learnings that have also come from it. And I think many of us have experienced a lot of growth through just all the change in the world and how everyone's reacting to COVID. Yeah. And no matter who you are, I think that that can relate because when things are down, like that forces us to think about things. Exactly. And, and for you, you've integrated extremely well into Austin, <laughs> Texas. And I love it here. There's articles. <laughs> so happy. <laughs> yeah, glad to have you. And for anybody that can't, you're hearing this through audio, so you can't see her huge smile. Um, <laughs> but you recently moved from San Francisco to San Austin, Francisco. Texas. And there's literally articles being written right now about how many people from California and oh New York gosh, are moving to Austin, Texas. What inspired you to come yeah. to the ATX? So I had spent a little bit of time here um, growing up. I grew up most of my life in Houston. And so um, I've always just, I love the Texas culture. And I think what's super neat about Austin is that you have the Texas culture and traditions, but then you also have this kind of weird, unusual, eclectic mix of people from all over the world. And I think the energy here is just really incredible. Um, You know, you have big city life, but it's also very hippie. And then you have the water and all these outdoor activities. Um, I just think Austin's a very, very special place. And I think through COVID, I think a lot of people are really drawn here because they want to be um, in a place that has a really good sense of community where people are happy and they want to be close to nature. And I think Austin offers all of that. I truly think that Austin is the next Silicon Valley. Well, I hope 
it is in some ways, and I hope it isn't in other ways. Hundred <laughs> percent. I don't. Yeah, I definitely don't want it to turn into like what happened in San Francisco. Um, I think what's interesting though with Austin is that you know everyone's moving here from a variety of different backgrounds. Like you have media personalities moving here, entertainment, tech. So you meet people in like the alternative energy industry out here. So I think it's going to become, I don't think it's going to become like LA or SF or New York specifically. I think it's, I think it's going to become this city of, you know, where you have a mix of kind of everyone, but I think it's going to be very different. Yeah. I, I'm a, I'm, I'm always an extreme optimist and different, I think is the word because when you think about New York and LA and San Francisco, they've been the staple of the kind of like archetype of big city, big dreams, innovation, innovation. And with that also comes the other side of it, like expensive and then creates poverty on one end um, as well. And it, I think with Austin, because it hasn't been necessarily built up yet. And yeah. we live in a time where like people are still going to want to live in SF and LA and New York. Oh, definitely. So you have a lot of people moving here. I'm just interested to see like who is moving and why, because you're going to have diehard people that still stay in F SF. So it's still going to stay. So Silicon Valley is still going to say Silicon Valley. Everyone thinks like it's going to yeah. die. It's like, no, it's no. still going to be the same, but we're going to have something new here. And I'm super excited about it because yeah, I just think it's, it's, we're going into a new age. We are. But there's also like in, you know, California, there's all the wildfires and the taxes, like so many companies are moving here and they want to be headquartered in Texas. Um, Dell recently, they're, they're, I think their headquarters are moving here, Oracle, um, Facebook. We are, I think we announced recently that we're looking for like a ton more space here. We already have two buildings. Google's building the new office downtown. Tesla. Tesla. I mean, it's just like, I just the MLS is here now. I know. I constantly, <laughs> I'm constantly wondering. I'm like, how, like Texas is going to change, you know? Like it's not necessarily going to be the same, but also I think it's really a really exciting time to be in Austin. Like I feel like I, I'm so inspired by the people I meet here. Like there's just people who, you know, just really want to make a positive impact in the world. This is the place to do it. Yeah, Most I of agree. the people I know are, that's what they're after. And that's another thing I think that separates Texas, the Texas culture a little bit from the coast is I haven't met as many people anywhere else that literally give up money to like chase their dream. Yes. Like, I mean, people do it in other parts, but it's hard to like, if you're in LA or SF, like where it's super expensive, like to make ends meet is a lot harder than it is 100%. in Texas. So a lot of people here can kind of like maneuver a little bit easier and build their dreams a little bit easier because rent is not three grand for yeah. a thousand square feet. So it's, it's an interesting thing, but I'd love to kind of kick this conversation off because we haven't, for those that don't know, like Sarah is new to Austin. So I've been able to chat with her a little bit. Um, but I don't know much about like your background. How did you end up in San Francisco in the first place? So can you mentioned growing yeah. up in Texas, give us a little rundown of, like where you grew up and kind of the whole grew up college story. <laughs> got into Facebook or yeah. maybe you worked somewhere else before that. Yeah. Just your backstory. My backstory. Um, so I have an interesting story. I'm actually British. So I was born in London. Okay. And when I was four, I moved to Australia for seven years with my family um, in Melbourne, which was amazing. And then when I was in fifth grade, we moved to Houston, Texas. My dad's in the oil business. So I kind of grew up all over the world. And, you know, after high school, my dream school was UC Santa Barbara. 
And um, why? Why? <laughs> Do you want the truth? Yes, I want the truth. <laughs> so Whole I had, hard truth. I had the list of the top ten party schools in the nation, <laughs> and that hey. was the prettiest one. And my parents, I was really good at math and science, and so my parents had the list of the top engineering, accounting programs, business programs. And so my parents were like, you can go to one of the party schools. But it has to be on one of these lists as well. So, um, yeah, like I had great grades and SATs and all of that. So um, I got to go to UCSB. And um, when I was in school, I was actually the top seller of spring break trips for California in wait, Mexico. Wait, backtrack. Yeah. It's like how does that even? Is, how story. is that a thing? <laughs> so my sorority when I was in college. What sorority were you in? I was a theta, Kappa okay. Alpha Theta. So I was our social chair, and we at one point in time um, were on social probation, which was like the death of you at Santa Barbara because we're such a social school. And so to make money to cover my budget and put on parties, I became the spring break like promoter, essentially. And I would take that money to put on parties. So what put you guys, <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued because I was in Sigma Pi so and we were always trying to stay off social probation. What mm -hmm. got you guys on it? Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a great question. I don't, I honestly don't remember. I think that we were like, there was like a keg at a party or something and like somehow the advisors found out it was something really probably silly. something lame it was something really lame and really silly but you know theta is a very conservative sorority and um so i was like okay like how can i put on events that are affiliated with my friend group but not affiliated with theta and so like i had um so when facebook launched i actually was given interest in this competitor called island odyssey and Island, what Island Odyssey did was it was a social network that would connect friends in different colleges all over California. And it would allow you to go on spring break trips with your friends and get college units at the same time. So you could go to Costa Rica over your spring break trip with your friends and get like four units of Spanish done. Well, that's fucking awesome. And it was amazing. It was like, the, it was a brilliant idea. And so, um, and that came from me being this like spring break promoter. And so through that, um, I learned, Mark, I was getting all this like I was basically coming up with like marketing ideas for them and they'd come in town and give me all these kegs and alcohol and I'd put on like 10 parties in one night and um yeah it was like very, it was very very interesting so what this and so that's, my that was my first interest that was how I first found out about Facebook and I was like I had an opportunity to interview at Facebook on the accounting team because I was an accounting major after that but my um mentors were like no 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 like go to PwC and get your CPA license before you like think about anything else. And um, that was a huge regret that I had. And so when I had the opportunity to join Facebook later, I took it in a heartbeat. So much to unpack. I know, this. it's kind and of a lot. <laughs> my, my mind, I love it though. This is, this is why I do this and it's why I love, it's why I love what I do. But what really piqued my interest in that whole conversation is your social chair. What, what created and I, I take you as an extremely social person. You integrate well into a new city really quickly. Um, that is a trait that I had to learn over the years, but I'd love to understand a little bit more about, was that just naturally who you were or what created that like social side of yeah. you? Yeah, so I think it's because... Um you know, when I moved here, because I, I grew up in quite a few different places. And so when I moved from Australia 
And, um, you know, I didn't fit in at all. I had this crazy British Australian accent and I had this, you know, I came from a completely different cultural background and, um, you know, I kind of, it forced me to become social and to integrate into a new environment. And so I think after that, I've naturally, I just really enjoy bringing people together and I really enjoy including people because I really appreciated people who included me back then, if that makes sense. And then I think going from, Australia to Houston and then from Texas to UC Santa Barbara that was another major culture shock you know growing up in Houston it was very conservative yeah and um you know moving out to California Southern California which was amazing like it was so different you know very liberal and um I think that experience too it kind of I think when you push yourself to go into new environments you can grow a lot from it and I think for me it, it built a lot of like social confidence and I think that's one of the issues that we have here in this country right now. And it's like everyone's seeing it because one of the things that I struggle with is I've moved around. So I see the different viewpoints of people, but yeah. most people don't even want to hear totally. another person's viewpoint. But it's just like a good instance is like Texas is conservative. And then people are saying like, don't California my Texas. And yeah. It's like just digs where like you don't understand until you've actually been there or live there or talk to somebody. And one of my goals with the podcast is to literally get information out there from every side of the, the world, because that's the only way that people actually gain that perspective. Now for you, like you've been blessed to have traveled and to have lived in different places. Is that something that you recommend somebody else do? Like one of the things that I've always recommended to people is like, Get the hell out of your hometown. hundred percent. I think it's so important to have different perspectives on things. And like I try to even now, like I have, um, I've never really had like one kind of clique of friends. I like to have, I like to enter, like, I like to have conversations and be close to people from a variety of different backgrounds because the different perspectives I think allows you um, to just see things from a new perspective. You know, like sometimes I don't understand why this group of my friends might have this opinion or this group, but um I think you just learn a lot from hearing different sides of, to different things. It's the best way to learn. I agree. Putting yourself in a whole new culture, like just moving and living somewhere new, like it's a, it's such an incredible experience. Like I know it's really scary for a lot of people, but it forces you to grow and it forces you to build social skills. And if someone's listening to this right now and they, they want to go into 2021 and take the leap and they thought about 2020 getting away from where they're at they hear you and they're like, okay, now I'm going to do it. What are kind of like the top three things you recommend for them? And it doesn't have to necessarily be three, but yeah. top things that you would recommend for them to do if they do up and leave and they go to this new place where it can be scary. What What are some of the things that you might've had to fail through in the beginning, yeah. but now you kind of have it dialed in and down. Totally. So you know, my experience was kind of hard because I, I lost my husband a year ago. So I had moved to Austin. I knew two people and COVID had, you know, it was in COVID. So I was like, oh, like, how am I going to meet people? And I was super focused on wanting to build community here. And um, one of the things that I told myself was say yes to everything. So like anytime I'm invited to anything, if someone like wants to get coffee, wants to do this, like I say yes, and I'm not, not afraid of anything. But I think a lot of it also is how you show up in a room where you don't know anyone. A lot of that is inner confidence, right? I think like a lot of my friends like, oh, like you aren't ever intimidated to go to like parties or like dinners or stuff when you don't know anyone. And I think a lot of that came off to me, like, you know, just doing a lot of work by myself, a lot of like meditation and journaling and really understanding and like understanding who I am as a person, 
And I think it's because that's spot on. But I also think because you're the social share of a sorority, one of the things that taught me, this is why parties, as much as I look back on my past and I'm like, I drank way too much and I partied way too much. I would walk into so many parties where I didn't know anybody. Yeah. And it just taught me to just like, like literally nobody. I would just walk. Yeah. My friend would be like, hey, this cool party is <laughs> happening. I love going to new like, places and meeting new people. Yeah. It's not like I would call them and be like, come bring me into the party. I would just walk in and be like, yo, what's up? My name's CJ, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I think one of the quotes that I live by when it comes to that is serve, don't sell. Yeah, so like, exactly. A lot of people are like, oh, we, you got to sell yourself. I got to tell people what I no. do and stuff like that. When it's really easy, just ask questions. So exactly. like when I, I when I go to a two. new environment, it's just like, hey, like just being smile. Curious. Yeah. What do you do? How are you? Like what brought you here? Like, and you just start asking a ton of questions. And before you know it, like I you're entwined that. with everything. But you mentioned that you lost your husband and it's something that for those that are listening, um, if you know my story, I deal with basically IBS, celiac. My family has Crohn's colon cancer runs in our family. And when I heard Sarah's story and how she lost her husband to colon cancer in his 30s, it was kind of like a shell shock to me because when yeah, I met you- I remember us talking about this. We were running, we were running out of track on a Tuesday morning and you show up and then literally, I think it was the first time I actually met you, you started yeah. talking about it. And I then knew, I was like, holy crap, Like I have to talk to you because this runs in my family and it's something that I've always feared and I changed my entire life because I feared it. Um, and I'd love for you kind of to tell the audience the backstory of that. So yeah. not just the bad side of things, but yeah. where did you where did you meet your husband? Yeah, so we were uh, we were in San Francisco and we were set up. So one of our guy friends, Anderson, um, he was kind of the social chair of our age range. Him and Mike were on the board for a nonprofit in the city called SF Social, and this uh, nonprofit was awesome. So basically, they were bringing together everyone in their twenties to educate them on the different local nonprofits and kind of funnel into the older scene, which is more like the fancy galas and stuff like that. I was doing charity work. He was doing charity work via film. And so we were kind of, everyone was like, you guys should date. And we were set up. So we, we started dating. We were dating for a few years. What was and the first then, date at? Um, oh my gosh, where was it? It was this like speakeasy bar in San Francisco. It was really fun. Um, it was just, it was really fun because we were set up. And like, I'm a huge, big fan of like setting up my friends. I think setups are a million times better than dating apps. Oh yeah. And <laughs> that's why like community events better. are the best. They are. That's One of the I reasons the I do the fitness doing. events is yes. because like. You're meeting like-minded people. Yep. It's perfect. Yeah. I love that. So yeah, so we were um, we were dating for a while, and um, so his story was like actually kind of in, like similar to your experience, like he ha he had like this health stuff happened with his family. He lost six members of his family at the age of twenty two to cancer, including both of his parents, and it Holy actually it was crazy. And he grew up in um, this processed beef um, jerky factory where he was just eating too much processed. Um, meat and wasn't the healthiest um but he it inspired him to get into film and it inspired he basically like kind of like what we were earlier talking about you know when you're faced with death it doesn't necessarily have to be you but someone close to you like both of your parents it just you know like you crash and like you just 
you realize what's important in life, you know? And like for him, he was like, I want to do film. Like I want to create film content that could help raise money for cancer nonprofits and other things and inspire people. And so um, he, that like led him down that path in film. So when we met, um, he had this film company and I ended up at Facebook. And then we, I literally had like, my dream job at Facebook. And he had this incredible film company in SF and it was scaling and doing all this amazing work. And um, we got back from our honeymoon and literally like he had had some stomach pain. And every time he'd go to the doctor, the doctor was like, you know, you're too young, you're too young, no colonoscopy, no, you're fine, you're fine. But after our honeymoon, he was in the bathtub numbing himself every night for about two hours. And I was like, this is insane. And I was like, I love you, but... For me to stay married to you, like you have to prioritize your health. Like I, I need you to get a colonoscopy. And so he went and got one and I went in to pick him up after the colonoscopy and the doctor looked me in the eye and was like, you need to move fast. And from that moment in time, it was like my body was just like filled with adrenaline and I literally did not sleep for like four months. And he was like, dude, like if you hadn't forced him to get this, he would have been dead in three months. And it was just like, it was nuts. And, you know, we were so young and like, we literally had our dream jobs in the city. Like we were like, so like everything that we ever wanted and we were trying to get pregnant, like, and it was like, everything was just like done. And so we then went to the top oncologist at Stanford and the same thing, the guy was like, this is like a lost cause. Like there's so much cancer. They were trying to usher me into therapy right away for like dealing with end of life. And we just like looked at each other and Mike had had a terrible experience in the cancer industry with his parents. And we looked at each other and we were like, fuck this. Like no one is going to tell us like what his timeline is. You know, like it's just like, I don't, I think it's really messed up when doctors, when some of them do that. And so we were like, you know what, like, we're going to go on this journey and we're going to try to find, we're going to try to find a cure and we're going to do everything that we can and we're going to film it for a documentary since we have a production company. And um, so at the time, my, she's like amazing. She's like the angel of Facebook. Her name is Renee Albert. She runs benefits and she was um, launching this cancer beta benefit program, which would basically be to support Facebookers who are either battling cancer themselves or have a family member battling cancer. And, um, it was a very new kind of release program and um, we were able to use a bunch of the benefits through that. And the benefits of Facebook are incredible. And the one like, you know, I know Facebook gets a lot of slack right now in the news, but you know, like what Facebook does for its people is really incredible. Like we, all of the benefits and everything we had were just, it was unbelievable. And so we went on this journey and we, because we were filming everything and affiliated, you know, with Facebook too, we had access to like the top people across integrative health. And our main doctor was Donald Abrams, who co-authored the Integrative Oncology Bible with Andrew Wheel and was one of the first doctors to study cannabis through the AIDS movement. He's kind of like a legend in San Francisco and um, to this day is still one of my close friends. And we tried everything. So, you know, we were doing all the precision medicine tests. We were doing like some chemo, but we were also focused on the body and overall wellness and health. And he was working with healers. And um, I have all this footage and I'm now sitting on of these like interviews and um, the entire experience. And he ended up living three and a half years. And what was crazy about it was like, he went into remission and year one, year two, it was amazing. And like, like you could see like the photos of my Instagram account, like he looked like a model. And like, he was literally like, 
he was running all the time and just so inspiring. His film business was growing and growing. We expanded our space. Like, and this was all with, you know, being after being diagnosed with terminal cancer. And like, we learned, like, I learned so much about supplements and meditation and healing. And like, you know, the whole experience was ups and downs. Year three was extremely, extremely hard because the cancer came back. But, you know, there were so many things that we learned. And like with psychedelics in particular, we had access to some of the most incredible people. One of my best friends, Molly Maloof, is a leader in the psychedelics movement right now. And she took us under her wing and we were doing um, a variety of different journeys and stuff for him to deal with end of life and for me to deal with anticipatory grief. Because for a full year, I literally, he, you know, I witnessed him dying in front of me. And, you know, what was hard about it was that like we couldn't relate to anyone. Like we had amazing friends and family, but no one knew even what to say to us because they were like, you know, we're the first ones really of our friends to deal with death at such a young age. You know, it was it's very different having, you know, like your boyfriend or your husband versus your parent, right? Yeah. Because they haven't lived a fulfilled life. But um, so what was important for me as a caregiver was I was like, okay, realistically, like we're most likely not going to find a cure. And so I need to be prepared for that. And I want to make sure that at least, you know, he enjoys the time that he has here and he gets to leave a positive legacy and a positive memory. And so, you know, it was just this weird balance of like accepting the cancer and like what we were facing, but also just being present and living in the moment and finding moments of joy. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Sarah. Hope you are loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Sarah Caney. Wow, like super powerful to even hear you tell that story um, and and keep it together because it's it's. Nobody should have to go through that. Um, and it's something that I've spoken with with my wife and we've had to talk about because we've lost family members and things like that. But you, you hit the nail on the head when when it's someone so close to you at a young age when they shouldn't, you shouldn't be going through this. You should be preparing for your kids and for your yeah. career to pop off and all the things that you're loving to, loving to do. And that's why, one, just thank you for, for sharing that story because anybody listening right now, like, Again, please share this with somebody that you love because you never know when it could be it. And that's kind of like what I want to pick your brain on was prior to him 
getting it? Were, were there any signs? Like what were like little things that maybe, be, and the reason I asked this, yeah. and if you don't want to share, that's okay. No, but I'm happy Is to. because I feel like we live in this culture where people delay things. Yes. And if they know some of the signs, yes, either in themselves, or they see it in their family members, they can get help sooner rather than later. Um, and that's why in my family, like as much as it sucks, some of the things that have happened, like it forced me to, look internally and, and start looking into things for myself earlier than I would have. And I might not thrive for as long if I hadn't done that. So if there's anything that you can share. Totally. Um, so he, yeah, no, he was, um, so it's actually really interesting. So he had colorectal cancer and still to this day, the rates of young people getting colorectal cancer, it's going up significantly. And like, that was one of the point of the film. So the the film was called Cure for Cancer. And we were hoping to find a cure and then bring everyone who was with us on the journey to the island of Kauai with a newly diagnosed early onset colorectal cancer patient and teach them everything that we learned. So yeah, like the rates are going up and a lot of it ties to, I talked to some of the researchers behind it all and a lot of it ties to our food system which ties back to soil health. And like, that's why I'm a huge fan of regenerative agriculture and I'm constantly trying to like learn and build awareness of, you know, a lot of the things in that space because, you know, it's deeply how, how we're treating this planet is, and like the food system is deeply impacting human health. And like for him, so he had, he was diagnosed with like hemorrhoids and um, just a few different gut issues because he always had these gut problems and he had blood in his stool. And you know, the doctors were like, oh, you're too young. You're too young. It's nothing. Um, but it wasn't until I forced him to get a colonoscopy and they found that. So one of the things that I've learned through the entire experience and also interviewing and talking with so many different people associated with the film is just dealing with the health system. Like you need to be your own advocate hundred percent, like whether like before you're diagnosed with anything and when you're diagnosed with something like if that happens, like you need to be your own health advocate. And like, you can't just be like, oh, I can go to the doctor and everything will be fine. Like, you know, doctors, they're incredible. They try their best. They all go into the field because, you know, they want to heal. They want to help people, but they're constrained by so many different things and legal, like it's lawyers. A system. And the, the it's system, a system is fucked up. It's like, completely fucked up. And it's completely for someone, fucked up. <laughs> for someone, for instance, like me, like when I was five years old, my mom went to the doc, like I was having issues since the age of five and she went to the doctor and they basically were like, oh, he has anxiety. And I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking now as an adult, like five-year-olds don't have anxiety. Like yeah. I had a house and food and like, I wasn't impoverished. So like yeah. I was living a good life as a five-year-old, but I was allergic to what I was eating at the time, we which we found out. And essentially like from five to... 25 it was just a journey of like I just had stomach issues and like every once in a while I'd have diarrhea and like that's it yeah and then finally I got a colonoscopy they diagnosed me with like hemorrhoids and IBS and all that stuff but I'm fine yeah um but to just every 10 years come back in and then just be careful with things but it's crazy because when I went they were like oh here's a probiotic like there was no further and this is where the this is where the system messes it all up because they just don't have the time. Like yeah. the doctor, and the education. We're they putting doctors taught. in debt to to be healers, but like, why are we doing that in the first place? That puts pressure on them to make money, which then they see us as, oh, we, I can only 
spend 20 minutes with each patient rather than like individually, like not once did they ever say like, where did you grow up? What were you eating when you grew up there? What was the water and the food like there? Like, just like what you're talking about. No doctor has ever asked me that. And now that I think about it, it's like, especially here in Austin, like the water system isn't that great compared to like, I grew up in New Jersey. It was a little bit better. And if I drink tap water there, I've noticed like if I drink tap water here versus if I go to our shore house in New Jersey, like I feel better there. And I mean, I don't normally drink tap water. I just am a guinea pig on myself and I like to test different things. And how many people here don't know that? And how many people have lived here their whole lives and then they get that? And then also like how does like right now with the pandemic, vitamin D is being shown as like a huge problem that every single patient that is getting COVID worse is yeah, lacking vitamin lacking D. And even myself, I we live in Texas. We live in Austin. You would think that I wouldn't have a, a vitamin D deficiency. I got the SpectraCell test done and I have a and vitamin D deficiency. Oh, yeah. how interesting. I don't know how. Maybe, so this is the thing though. Maybe celiac disease plays into, maybe autoimmune conditions play into vitamin D. Totally. The other thing is I just got, the aura ring, which shows like my sleep. just got one too, yeah. Yeah, so one of the thing, revelations I'm having now is like, I'm like, since I've had the aura ring, it's almost yeah. been a month, every night is restless. Like it's showing like every single night is restless. Yeah. And Aaron, my wife, gets like double the REM sleep, double the deep yeah. sleep that I That's do. That's why the aura ring is so cool. And, but I'm starting to think, I used to think, oh, I don't get good sleep because of my illness. But what if I have this illness because I never have slept well? Yeah since I was a little 100%. kid and we've never really looked into 100%. sleeping well. And so what you, is the prime so sleeping environment for CJ? So that's actually like, I love that we're talking about this right now because I'm working, I've been this last week working on my like wellness plan from everything I've learned moving into 2021 and sl- getting good sleep is my number one thing that I'm now going to focus on. And this week I actually started taking this magnesium supplement and I've started remembering my dreams. And like, I wake up in the morning and I like, I'm started to write them down. I'm like, this is incredible. Like it's made like, and so apparently magnesium, um, so I've taken melatonin before, but I think magnesium actually helps you create your own melatonin. And it's just, it's already made such a big difference for me. And it's been a week. Um, it's amazing. And then calm has a really good magnesium drink as well that I sometimes have at night, but it's made a big difference. And so what, what I want to do as I move into this next year is with the aura ring, I want to start testing different things and like seeing how different things impact my sleep, including drinking. Like I'm, I'm trying to like move away from drinking all alcohol as well. That's like another big thing. I'm working with a coach on it. And I, I'm just interested to see how it does impact sleep because I've never sleep good after even a glass of wine. Even like dry farms wine, which is like so. But you, the you're probably type. like me. Like so, I th- I'm a big believer in it's it's how we handle sugar. So the alcohol has sugar in it, converts, and for me, a lot of people for, for when they drink, they get tired. Yeah, and they want to fall asleep. If I drink, I want to party till like four a.m. I don't yeah. know what it is. Like I just. My mom is the same way. Like I'm energized when I drink, and that's one of the issues that. I started staying away from it because I realized like this is not it, this doesn't work the same for me as it does for other people. Like, totally. Like this makes me do things that I don't like to do, and not necessarily I wouldn't do anything stupid or go to jail, but it's just, like I get so energized to the point that I become like rambunctious, yeah, overly rambunctious, same, <laughs> backflipping off of things I shouldn't be backflipping yeah. off of, and that's what started when I started digging into. If I'm like that when I have like six drinks, even if I just have one, that's going to affect my sleep because it's making me roll around even more. And the other thing that I've been studying is like, so when I first got the aura ring, 
didn't smoke, didn't drink, didn't do anything, right? Now I'm in the now I'm in the process of using cannabis every night before I go to sleep mm-hmm. and seeing cannabis. how that affects it. REM automatically up, deep sleep automatically yeah, up. Problem amazing. I have with it though is then I don't feel like it helped as much as it says it's doing. Really? So, yeah. So the other thing that I'm noticing is I'm also testing with CBD and melatonin. So that actually had the highest amount of REM sleep. So in the first month that I've been doing the study, the highest amount of REM sleep and like productive sleep, I would say, where I feel the greatest is if I have CBD mixed with melatonin. Oh, that's and so interesting. I don't know why. I'm just doing a whole bunch of testing. And yeah. then in, in 2021, I want to do stuff where like I make my own edibles out of CBD that's and cool. like see what happens then. And then testing with different flowers. And then also another thing I've been testing with, which you could pot- potentially test with is the time, your, your timing of eating yes. throughout the day. Yes. I noticed that if I eat within an hour of going to sleep, I'm way more restless. I don't sleep as well. Yeah. And I'm trying to test like what, what works what for is, your unique Can body. I do two hours? Totally. Like most people are like, oh, don't eat after six or seven. It's like, well, what is working for CJ? Like exactly. if I can eat within three hours, like that would be my schedule. And then when I wake up, I'm also noticing that for some reason in the summer, I can like wake up earlier. And then in the winter, like, because it's not getting sunny until like 7.30 now, even if I get longer sleep, I still feel tired. But in the summer, I don't really need, and I don't know if that has to do with vitamin D because in the summer I have the vitamin very, D very and then I can go off of less sleep but feel more rejuvenated. So there's all these questions that I ask myself. Sorry, I'm I rambling, love, but no, like, this is like- No, I love that you're like, thinking, this is like everything I'm about to start looking into as well. And what I think is interesting about CBD and cannabis in particular, so I like, I'm pretty well networked in that space because we were using heavy cannabis through like everything with cancer. And, um, and I actually almost went into the cannabis business and I decided not to because I learned that- um, you know, everyone's bodies are different. So like you and I could take the exact same cannabis product yeah, and it would, different. we would react different because we have different CB, um, it's called CB1, CB2 receptors. And so knowing that like, you really do need to test it on your own body. So like I personally have tested out a variety of different products and flour and strains um, to see like, you know, what works for me, what doesn't work. And I think with sleep, that is something that I want to try to look into. But that's why I think cannabis got a bad name growing up. Like I never really smoked weed until cancer came along and Donald Abrams was like, you should be using this for anxiety because like I would have, I would get, I would have like a puff or two of like a pipe and get so high and like not know what I was doing. And it wasn't a good experience. And so it wasn't until I was able to kind of like test out different things on myself where I found what did work for me. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the beauty of today's world where it's just like things are opening up to test. And like, I, I never was a smoker. I was a huge drinker. Like that was always yeah, my same. thing. Like just, cause again, energy. energy I liked yeah. feeling like after a soccer fun. game, <laughs> after a soccer game, like I was double fisting in the shower. Yeah. Like uh, and in college too, Santa Barbara, like, yeah, it was like a crazy party town. <laughs> yeah. Just like chugging beers. While, and then I'm like, but then, then you realize it's shots. like why are we like so I'm working with this um this amazing lady right now on this like coaching how to control your drinking. Not that I don't have a drinking problem, but it's just like it's forcing me to like question why I drink. And I'm like, you know, you and I like we're both really social. Like we can, you know, confidently walk into a room and, you know, not feel shy. And so she challenges me to think through like why do I pick up a drink? Like sometimes I'm just in the habit of it at an event. And so like I've been talking with people here recently about like, you know, creating these fun events, dance, actually like a lot of these like dance events that are going on here 
you know, and where you don't need alcohol to have fun because you're really influenced by the people that you're around, right? So you brought up a great point where I think because you're so suppressed on the same way, I pick up a drink because the other person who needs the drink pick the drink up. But as soon as you yeah. are around people that don't need the drink, yeah. you'll start realizing you don't need the drink. Either. Exactly. So like that's 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 what helped me a lot is one, like my wife, Erin, like never been a drinker ever. If she drinks, like I, and sorry, Erin, I love you, but I yell at her every time we buy any type of alcohol and it's in our house because she will literally open it and leave half of it in there and then we dump it out. And yeah. I'm just like, this is such a waste <laughs> of money. Yeah. Um, she likes the habit of like, she likes sparkling drinks and she'll get a little hard kombucha or whatever. And she'll only drink half it. She's never been a big drinker. I noticed as soon as I hung around her, I didn't really need to drink that much. Yeah. So I started thinking like, why do I, when we go to, when we go out, like why do yeah. I drink? And a lot of it was the the friend next to me, family member next to me, they wanted the drink because they don't feel comfortable in that social setting. So me being an empath, I do it to just do it because Same. I'm just like, oh, like, they want a drink i'll just have a drink fuck it the problem i have is as soon as i have one it was like six later yeah, and i'm dancing on the dance floor until 4 a.m like because yeah. it is an energizer for me 100%. it's not but you can you can get the same level of energy from cannabis products like certain strains um there's this one product called go by 1906 and it's amazing like it's it's literally like an energizer pill and i also so that's what I'm like moving into next year. Like that's what I'm focusing on. Yeah, the go on. life. Like, Are you yeah. talking about the go life? I think that's what it is. Yeah, it's the go life. So I, I don't know. When, who'd you hear about them from? Um, I found out, I learned about the product from a few different people. I think when I was in Aspen. Okay, yeah. Them. So I'm bringing them tomorrow. To oh, the, amazing. To the fitness event. Yeah. That's cool. So, so that's what, this is what I love so much about Austin. Like since I, I haven't been here that long, it's been like five months, but all of the events that I've gone to, most of them put on or affiliated with you, CJ, everything is like, like you're building community sober and it's so much fun. And like the energy is amazing and no one's drinking. I think that's incredible. Yeah. And I think it just brings, again, it brings to the point, typically it's outside. Typically we're in the sun. Typically like we get energized by relationships. Totally. Like, and that's that's another thing that when you have deep conversations, that's like why one of the reasons that I got into podcasting, as I was telling you before we even jumped on, is just to have deeper conversations with people. Because yeah. I've always done this, like since I was a little kid, like for some reason I always, and not for some reason I've figured out why, I always had a lot of girlfriends, not like girlfriends as in like significant other yeah, yeah. girlfriends as in like I hung around a lot of girls and one of the reasons that I think I hung around a lot of girls is y'all always talked about so many different topics versus guys is the usual like oh what girl are you trying to get with or totally like, <laughs> what video game you want to play it was very like face level yeah and that's just how males were when we we're growing up we're not growing we're not allowed up, yeah. to show our colors and our emotions and things like that but I always liked hanging around women because you talked like the conversation could go from so many different angles. Totally. And I think in today's society, people are opening up, especially the males are opening yes. up emotionally a lot more. And 100%. when we go to events, they're starting to realize that I'm actually having better conversations and I feel more of myself yep. and I'm meeting more women and same thing for women, meeting more men yep. that are like-minded. And you, as soon as you realize you don't need that drink, it's just like, oh. And for me- one of the reasons that I put them on without the alcohol is in my previous relationships prior to my wife, th both relationships were predicated on partying and alcohol. And 
I don't even know who I was and I don't know who truly that other person was. Totally. Because half the time we were drunk. And it's not like your real self. And it's not yeah. the real self. And I'm, if I'm going to have a brand with Thrive, like wanting people to be authentic and, and genuine, I don't want alcohol to be the the premise of that. I want it to be like, just bring your real damn self to this. And if you're shy, if you're not shy, like we have people here that are on both sides of the spectrum. Yeah we can work together towards achieving whatever it is that you're trying to go. But it's interesting you mentioned the go life because those are the types of things that I'm interested in. And now yeah. where it's like biohacking. So like yes. when I go out to, if people like ask me to go out to a bar, um, I won't drink, but I'll do something like maybe have some, uh, a couple, couple of that or, um, one have you had the Bliss, the MSW Lounge Bliss yeah, packets? Yeah, yeah. I took one before coming here today. Yeah. So I actually make um I make this mocktail out of the the cherry lime, um clean drink, which was at your lot that the clean company was at your last event. Yeah. And then I put one of the um, MSW Lounge Slenderella packets in it, and that's like for me it's super energizing, and I feel like I'm like having a buzz but without alcohol. And then like when I go out, I'll typically have like one or two a little packet those little bliss packets under my tongue and I love it. And it's amazing you say that because I think what ends up happening is as soon as you do it a couple of times, this is what happened with me. As soon as I start becoming obsessed with biohacking and like basically creating my optimized self, because I like the word optimize more than biohacking because people think like negative, they can yeah. either think negatively or it's like this trendy word, but it's really, I've always been into being super efficient with everything, with my job, with whatever I'm doing, um, my life, my time. And then as I'm an adult, my body, what I noticed is I could rage without the alcohol and then the next morning I could wake up and go to the gym and do my st normal routine and not like have a two-day lull yeah. of... And I think the big thing for me, and while I had physical issues with alcohol, and if you could potentially attest to this, it's I don't like mentally being off. Yeah, I, I'm like, I don't fog. have time. I have too much to do. <laughs> and I don't know for you, but- It's not worth it. It's crazy because it's an energizer for me in the beginning. And I had no idea we'd be talking about this stuff. That's why I love this. So, awesome. For anybody that's for anybody in 2021 that's trying to slow down your drinking, like I'm literally, I've basically dialed into. I'm only drinking at bachelor parties and, and weddings. Love in that. 2021. That's my thing. I'm gonna do that too. Um, I was gonna role. do a sober 2021, and but then I realized I had five weddings and four bachelor parties. Or and you know like what? That. One or two drinks isn't gonna kill you. Oh yeah. It's, I feel like like one thing I've learned through all of this. I take an 80 20 approach, and like so, like 80 percent of the time, I'm like biohacking, like, you know, whole food plant-based, like ever, like as healthy as I can be. But then 20% of the time I'm like, I let myself have fun, you know? And it's like, what, I, why, I what like, inspired you to be like that? Because I was so like, when I was, you know, in cancer and like super vegan and all of this stuff, I was just, I just Stressed. learned. Yeah. And I was like, I'm missing out on like, like certain opportunities. You know, it's like part of life is, you know, like enjoying, you know, ice cream or this or that or like it's just i just don't I believe think in extremes if it gets to a point where it creates stress and anxiety exactly and that was a thing That's when i when i'm like then. i'm giving up alcohol it creates stress in me rather when i'm just like you know what i'm gonna make the controlled decision every single moment and that's where the thing i wanted to get into was i started noticing that as i'm cutting it out when i introduce it back in i could notice that it made me depressed the next day or two totally. and not like depressing and is like, I don't want to sleep. Or I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to do anything and I just want to sit here and do nothing. The depressed of like, 
why? Why am I here? Why did I do that? Why like regret? And yeah, it's just, just like regret and, and things like that. And I'm just like in a depressed mode of myself. And I was just like, wow, I never felt this before because I was doing this all the time. I could, didn't have that pulse on my body. Totally. And that's where this next year, I hope everybody learning from 2020, you learn to have that pulse on your body. But I'd love to jump into you are working on so many different projects and doing so many different things. <laughs> Give us a rundown of kind of like what you're working on in 2021. So you said you work at Facebook. We'll start there. Yes. What is it that you're involved with at Facebook? So, um, so over the last, I've been there for like six, seven years now. And, um, I was in recruitment, had a variety of different roles, and now I'm on a new team called Internal Mobility. So I am helping people within our um, finance, culinary facilities, and security teams find new opportunities within the company. And it's an um, an area we're focusing on at Facebook because you know retention is important. So that's like my day job, but. It was interesting through the cancer experience. Um, my friend Phaedra had, who's the founder of Sparrow Foods, also moving to Austin. She's amazing. She had created this group called Plant Based Life at Facebook, and it's an employee resource group, like kind of like a like a club. And um, when Mike got cancer, and I did all the research and saw that you know for colorectal cancer, you know we needed to go vegan together for him to hopefully you know just live his best life as we could. And so. I went and um, joined this group with her and took it over when she left. And I was doing all these events and had funding from Facebook to sponsor different things like the Future of Food Conference, um, a variety of different things. And we would do, I do like plant-based wine and cheese parties. It was so much fun. That's and awesome. uh, it was awesome. But then with Co when, Co when I went back to work after taking a year off, because um, I took a full year off to just work on my own healing. I did. I went and did the Hoffman program. I did Kapasana like retreats, plant medicine journeys. When I came back, COVID had hit and my budget was axed. So uh, we went virtual. So I've been doing, um, in partnership with Google, different plant-based events, which has been really fun. So as we move into this next upcoming year, still kind of looking into that, you know, what type of virtual events we would want to create there with Google. So Mike had a near-death experience after doing ayahuasca, and we were in the hospital um, maybe like two weeks afterwards. And um, he, we, I thought he was dying, and he came back alive, and it was crazy. And he was like, I need to invest in this director, David, who's this incredible guy who worked for my late husband and his production company. And at the time, there was this book that Mike and I were really inspired by called The Surrender Experiment. And um, it's probably one of my favorite books of all time, highly recommend it. It teaches you to just like go through life and just like surrender and not be attached as attached to things. And so we did this film and um, he invested in David and it's called His Only Son. And it's the story of Sarah and Abraham from the Bible. And it was absolutely amazing watching the whole thing come together because at multiple times we're like, oh, okay, like, you know, if God doesn't want this film to happen, it's like all the pieces will fall into place. And um, we ended up getting the number one actor from um, the Middle East to play the role of Abraham. It was like his, he just joined IMDb right before the casting director was like about to give up on finding a lead actor and we were going to give up on the whole film. And we just like happened to land him, which basically made the film. And so anyways, long story short, um, all the production, most of it happened while Mike was still alive. And then um, they're still finishing up some stuff now, but that film is going to be done um, and hopefully put out around Easter. So I'm really excited to see what happens for that. That's really like his like legacy project, like the film that made the most, you know, an impact on him. Um, so I'm really excited to see what happens with that. And then I'm sitting on all the cancer footage and still trying to figure out like 
what and if to do something with all of that. I don't think necessarily I would want to do like our story, but uh, we capture some incredible, really inspiring stories of other cancer patients who, you know, just outlived um, their diagnosis and were just doing really incredible, inspiring work in the world. And um, some of these interviews of people who are amazing. So I'm just trying to kind of think through, you know, what I could make there that would help give back, if that makes sense. I love that. And what was, what was Mike's role in that? Producing. That's awesome. So he went out doing what he loved. That's the thing. Like yeah. I look back now and like, that's why, like, you know, it's been a year since he's passed. But when I look at his life, I'm like, dude, like you got to go and create a film business in Silicon Valley and do all of this incredible charity work, these videos that helped raise millions. And he got to do his dream film. Like that is a life worth living, right? Like most people go, can live all the way to a hundred and don't get to do something like that. And so his motto was like, always create. Like he had this t-shirt that looks exactly like yours that said create. And he had like 20 of them and he'd wear them every day. And That's awesome. um, yeah, and it was just amazing. And so like, I look back now and I'm no lot, you know, I'm not sad. I'm like grateful that he had this fulfilling life. And, you know, it just makes me look at life differently myself too. And, you know, you just, you remember that at the end, it's not about how much money you've made, but really about the difference that you've made and the relationships that you have. You have such a, an amazing perspective on it. And I'm sure like, it, it wasn't like that at all times. Like what no, was, was like, hard. what was like the hardest moment for you? Probably. Um, so we had him on a thousand milligrams of THC every day and um, it turned him into a different person. And so seeing that shift and, you know, being kind of on the receiving end of that was really challenging because it was like, I loved him, but I didn't love this side of him it, like he he wasn't the person i married yeah and like witnessing that happen in front of me was extremely hard and it's something that people don't talk about often with caregiving and one thing actually is super cool at facebook we have a new benefit for caregivers now because you know with the medical system keeping people alive longer right like all of us are going to be caregivers at some point or another and it's very challenging and you know like the, like we now have support at Facebook for caregivers, but most companies don't. And, you know, it's very, it's, it's a toll just being and holding space with someone as they're dying. It's not easy. Yeah. Cause it's like, what do you, I can't, I can't even imagine what, what do you, it's what very do you challenging. Say? It's just and like, like the conversations are very like, it's heavy, you know, like at some points he'd be like, I want you to move on to be able to have a family with someone else. And then at times he's like, I don't want you with anyone else. And I'd be like, this is really confusing. <laughs> like, I don't really even want to like think about this. Yeah. Stuff, you just like, want to be. Yeah. But it's like when you're so young, it's hard, right? It's like, it's just, it's just very, very challenging. Has any other young people reached out to you and asked you like questions like that have been in similar yeah. situations and have asked you. Yeah. I've, um, I've, I work with quite a few people who have been in like the similar shoes as me. And like, um, I try to share with them now, like just how you know, my perspective on looking back at it, because when I was in it, I was a mess. It wasn't for my best friend, Molly Maloof. Like she, the girl literally saved my life. Like I, you know, I, in particular, I did this like six week ketamine experience because oftentimes when people lose their spouse, they want to get in a relationship right away because they're just used to being married. Yeah, And, um, it's not actually not good for the person on the receiving end because you know you haven't healed like you haven't really found your identity and so I did this work with ketamine where I um, worked with a local shaman once a week for six weeks and I like really dove into my grief and I just felt it 
And like, I basically kind of like hacked grief. Like I like forced myself to like feel the pain and cry and like experience all of that with the ketamine. And then I created this vision board of what I wanted my life to be like in Austin. And it all came true. I love it. And that's why I'm a huge fan of like psychedelics and ketamine. And like I was microdosing mushrooms through anticipatory grief. And like, you know, it's just, it made a world of a difference for me. Like it really did. And like, you know, I was a state, like I literally, like I couldn't get out of bed when he died. Like I was just a mess. And I think psychedelics just really helped me um, kind of evolve from the experience and the different journeys I did. It was, I would like each one was like a hundred therapy sessions at once. And I was like, for me, this is way, I was like, I have a lot I want to accomplish in my life. Like I don't have time to be sitting in grief for decades. Like all these widows in these widow groups that I was attending. And so by doing the psychedelics and with the context of I'm using this to heal and to like process this grief, it just really helped me a lot. And like, even now all to this day, I have people be like, I can't believe that you're doing so well after everything you went through. It's so intriguing because I feel like you're, you're tapping into a way to, you're forgiving yourself to move on faster. And I think that's what holds a lot of people back is like, they feel like they should have grief because they're like, I was married young, my yeah. husband died. Like I should be devastated for the next 20 years. Like totally. that's, that's what should hit me. But like, that's not what's best for you. That's no. not what's best for the world. And like, that's not what they want that's either. That's not what your, hus I think about your husband, life, yeah, I'm like, wanted. He would like, want me to be happy. He doesn't yeah. want me to be stuck in grief. Yeah. So know? I think like, and that's an interesting thing. And I, I'm I I'm such a nerd. I'm gonna go research all, everything that you're talking about afterwards. This is like, do how psychedelics help with forgiveness? Because I think like 100%. the grief is attached to just forgiving yourself for moving on. Yeah, and that's like with me. In my, I've gotten healthier with my own, um, stomach and and stuff like that because I think I just held on to not just forgiving myself for some of the things that I've done in the past. Like drinking is one of them. Yeah. Like and holding on to like man, if only I would have known, like, why was I doing this dumb shit? Like, I wouldn't be in this position now, but forgiving myself, like, I didn't know. I was no. just having fun and, and doing what a lot of other 20-year-old males and fraternities were doing. And it's yeah. just like, even just that forgiveness has let me reduce stress and anxiety and everything, and I, I can look better now. And I'm not saying that to relate at all. I'm just saying the way that you tell that story it makes me think of like forgiveness and being forgiven for everything you tried and you did. I mean, he lived yeah. for a lot longer than it sounds like the doctors granted him. And that's, it's crazy because my wife, Erin, her dad died of a heart attack at a young age and we're testing, getting her tested. And she yeah. goes to the cardiologist and they look at her like, why are you here? Just like you were talking, Mike struggled with like, you're too young. Like, why yeah. are you here? And they told her, <laughs> the fucking guy says, we brought him these extra numbers and he's just like, well, sometimes it's just better that people don't see these like, cause then they don't worry or they're not anxious about it. And I was like, that's so fucked up. It like, is it's not the up. right way. It's like, if I know the numbers, I can then change, change. I can, can work towards do the yeah, work. 100%. And it's just like, but that's that's why you have to be an advocate, <laughs> right? Like you have to with health. So I'm such a fan of functional medicine and like, you know, doing, um, different tests, like test different things. But then on the other side too, there's a lot of stuff in like 
the alternative medicine space that is not there's no evidence behind it and so like i'm constantly trying to look at like levels of evidence before like whether determining whether or not i try something because there's a lot of misinformation oh man there's so and like that's the biggest problem like i do i remember when mike was diagnosed it was like an onslaught of emails being like if you loved your husband you would force him to take these like apricot seed blah 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 blah, or like go go to mexico and do this or go to germany and do this and i was just like what it's just it's crazy wow i can't even imagine that so i've been for years i've been trying to think like what is my path and like where am i trying to go and things like that and i'm getting closer and closer i love health i love business and i love education and what i've been doing this year like what covid forced me to do was become even more like invested in the self-education side than I already was because with free time. So I started doing all my own blood work and like reading and how to read blood work and all these different things. And I was just like. So blood work is a snapshot in time, right? I, I'm really into hair analysis now. So upgraded formulas. Like from, I, Barton. Yeah, from Barton. Yeah. <laughs> but I really love, I believe in the concept because you can see way more over time. Agreed. So I'm a big believer in, it's hard to make people do new things already so people are already getting blood work done like they're already going to the doctor this is already a thing happening but they don't do anything with their blood work how many times do you get your blood work and your doctor's like it's good that's and and they don't even they don't even fucking look at it and even like like, when you're in the low and the high ends of the ranges like you should still be making adjustments yes but deficiencies or these like certain levels that's what leads to disease so it's like get on top of it imagine though so you have you get your blood work done and then you're within range. The doctor's like, great. But imagine if you get hit with this thing, an email or a phone call from like a health coach saying, hey, we'd love to check out your, your blood work to optimize your health yes. for the future. So our target market is like 20, 30, 40 year olds yes. who had have parents with Alzheimer's, cancer, yep. heart attack, whatever. And we want to optimize your health. So it's more preventative me- medicine. So it's like, bring us your labs. And then the next step is like, okay, you need to ch- you need a nutritionist, you need a personal yep. trainer, whatever, because I figured out there's there's like a three-pronged thing when I think about it. It's just like getting people to do the thing. So it's like getting the blood work. Then once they get the blood work, they don't know how to read it. Yeah. So it's just like there's misinformation there, just like you can't. But then the third part is action. No one takes any action. So it's just like there's a lot of people not taking care of themselves in that first tier and there's a lot of people who do get their blood work done but don't understand what it is and the third thing which everyone struggles with is action and like i thought i was like holy shit like i want to build a company that literally imagine just a website and it's just like health exactly and i I, I love it and you just connecting and i'm a i'm a network builder so it's just like how do I just build a network where i all i have to do is draw this traffic in of people that want to optimize their health and then whoever needs to read blood work, okay, we work with nurse practitioners or whatever yep. to read it. And then we work with the person to help them take action, the accountability yeah. person, which is the nutritionist, the dietitian, the personal trainer, the physical therapist, the chiropractor. Well, also, I think building community around this idea because when you're doing it with friends, like you can kind of learn from each other too. And like you kind of influence each other to be on top of all of this stuff too, right? Yep. And this is why, so for anybody listening, this is why taking time off and like, diving into like so i do a lot of meditation and i'll smoke and just like walk in the woods and just do whatever and i started thinking about this 
and like the next steps to it. So in 2021, I'm going to be doing blood work a lot more frequently and I'm going to be putting together my own database to then showcase to other people, hey, like this is what you should be taking. So like we just took a cardiac test. I'm going to go take a gastro test um, and then the micronutrient test again. So I'm going to basically have all these things and build my own dashboard. That's and then super cool. that'll be the MVP of 2021. And then in 2022, 2023, actually like make a hack at it. So in like 2021, Can I do this like, with you? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna open it up to all my I'm, friends. Yeah, because I'm I'm starting to do all this stuff too. Because I want to I want to test out a variety of different tests and different things and just see see what happens. Because I I'm a big believer in like people follow the person, they don't follow the business in the beginning of when you start anything. So if I one reason I started YouTube was to document this and oh, same thing it. with Erin, we're going to document her heart journey and then like oh, my yes. stomach. And then the goal is to really just inspire the average person who's in their 30s, just go get like these four blood tests done. And even if they're not within, even if they're within range, here's a book to start learning. Totally. And eventually like the goal, I want to build like a digital dashboard where it's like, why aren't we learning at five years old? Like what? Yeah. B-U-N means. Totally. And that's a thing in your blood work, which I was high in, which I started doing research on it, which has an effect on my kidneys and and liver. And it, what's weird is I knew that there was something wrong with my kidneys. Like I could feel like something was off for a little bit, like earlier this year, it shows up in my blood work. And I had no idea that that one little thing affected yeah. that. But then I take a couple other supplements yeah. and then I'm fine. And it's just like, there was just something that's a little bit off. Now, the average person doesn't, they don't know to do any of them. I'm stuff. speaking gibberish right now. Yeah. To, to most there, so there's also this reminds me of my um my close guy friend in San Francisco, his um one of his peers from Stanford just created this new company, which is you walk into it, it's a full body scan and it shows you any tumor in your body. Like, isn't that amazing? I think this wow. is like brilliant. And so like all like right now, I think um they're only letting like functional doctors and other Stanford alumni use it. But like I love that concept because, you know, it, dude, if Mike had done that and they would have seen the tumor years before, like he would still be alive. And then you can know too, it's like, hey, I have, you know, a tumor in here or here. Like you can address it. So I'm a believer that like Apple right now is going to take over the health tech space. So once they don't have to put a needle in you for blood work yeah, and like you have a wristwatch, all this information is going to overload people. Cause they're like, what does totally. this mean? And I'm looking at, I'm cause the aura ring and the whoop right now, I'm yeah. learning like, what does HRV mean? And all these things. And the reason that I thought of this idea as well is like, well, if I can get in on this now and I can start put, building this dashboard out yeah. when Apple and those type of companies come out, like there's going to be an influx of people that want to know all this information. So if I can, sharpen my skills up on it um that's where i was going with that but let's end this conversation on the on a high note i know we had a lot of ups and downs going through this but it's a new year i'd never like i never like asking new year's resolution so we're not going to do that but what do you think you've learned this year that is going to help you in 2021 i'm a big believer in like looking at the past yes, so like obviously too. Mike passed away a year ago, but you just came to a new city. Like, what have you learned? And that, other than you, you want to cut back on your drinking and yeah. things like that. But uh, yeah, what have you learned from this year that you want to kind of double down on in in twenty twenty one? I think um, something that was really important to me um, is just the power of community, the power of being selective with who you spend your time with, and making sure that you are surrounded by people who have the same kind of vibes as you and the same interests. I think that's really important. 
Um, so that's one thing I'm going to focus on. And one of the reasons I'm so grateful to be here in Austin, I feel like everyone I've met through you and all of y'all's friends, like people here are just so amazing. It's like, like I moved, I was in Houston briefly with my family and I moved to Austin and I was like, everyone here is just so happy. And, um, yeah, I just, I think community is really, really important. And, um, you know, just having good sleep and just being grateful every day. Like I, I wake up every morning, I meditate and I write down what I'm grateful for typically. Um, if I don't just say it over my head and it just reminds me that, you know, like there's a lot of people suffering right now and there's going to be a lot of people suffering through next year. And, you know, it's life isn't about making money. It's more, I think about having purpose. And I know, um, just in, you know, witnessing my husband pass in front of me, life isn't about chasing after the money or the job. Like even when I was at Facebook before I was, I had a grueling job. I was working like 12 hour days. I had a team of 12 at one point. I killed myself. And then after everything I went through, I came back into work and specifically took a role where I would have balance. And I think it's important. You know, it's like you get on this thing where you just work, work, work all the time and you don't actually appreciate your life. And so I think for me, balance is really important. I love that. Work is made up. We literally made that shit up. Oh. Like out of thin air. <laughs> and that's what I witnessed in San Francisco. And one reason I moved, honestly, because everyone around me was just complete workaholics, complete workaholics, myself included. And what I love about Austin is I feel like people here truly do have balance. You are what you see. Yeah. That's the thing. It's I love that. in the mirror. Like we see ourselves in the mirror is one way. It's one of the reasons that I, I almost, I asked my mentor one time, I was feeling stagnant here and I was like, should I move to Silicon Valley? Like, Oh really? I feel like, yeah. Cause I felt like nobody had the pace that I wanted to go at. Yeah, here. Yeah, and he yeah. taught me such a vital lesson because he was just like, he came from there and he's, it's not all cracked up. It, he's like, you have the life here. Like, and you yeah. just don't even realize it. But I was, I was, this is like when I was 25, I'm yeah. about to be 30. It was like, yeah, I was like 26. So I was just getting into entrepreneurship into my groove and like, I was like, I want to work more. I want to work harder. Like I want to be the multimillionaire by 30. And then he was like, nah, like go about it kind of in a different way where it's have more balance, create more community, build more relationships because that's, what's going to matter at the end of the day. And it, I mean, it has, that's where I met you. hundred percent. I'm so inspired by what you've done. Started. I know. And like, I'm so excited like the squash <laughs> event tomorrow and the last one, like it's so inspiring what you're, what you've done here in Austin, what you continue to do. And like, I just, I hope that grows in other cities as well. So what about you? Like, what are your, what have you kind of reflected on from this last year? And what are you, what are your intentions oh, for this next year? Throwing it on me. Honestly, what I've learned the most is to be okay with silence. I'm a hyperactive kid. I call myself still a kid. Like I just, I, I will always be a kid. And I always made the excuse of I have to be in constant motion or else something's wrong. And this year is the first year where I kind of dived into true human optimization where it's like, if I can't sit still for 30 minutes to an hour at a time, I'm not optimal. Like I'm not an optimal human being. And a lot of it came from reading about other people who have suffered immensely. So like one of the books that hit me the most this year was reading Martin Luther King's autobiography and the decisions that he had to make versus the decisions we have to make on a daily basis. Like he had a, a house with his new wife and his newborn child bombed. He wasn't there. Luckily they survived that. He had to make the decision. Do I leave this house 
and move and like basically look like a coward to the oppression that we're fighting or do I stay in it and put my family at risk like that imagine that decision put on your plate like you have the whole world looking at you and I started thinking like the way he wrote the way his life was written it was just like it was like slow motion and I started realizing that like he went to school for like 10 years before he even became this this person so I started to slow down and and really realize that like 10 years isn't going to matter if I don't make it to 10 years. So if I slow down and focus on going things at a little more pragmatic view and being okay with silence and being okay with, I had this office that I invested a ton of money and energy into and we couldn't use it and I have to show up to alone. Why not enjoy it? So that's really where I've, I've thought this year and then going into next year, it's changed really my view on the world of, I thought I used to want this really big company and I wanted to start, um, I, I love people. I love mentoring. I love building teams. You're incredible at it. And I thought that, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and I thought I wanted like a 500 person company, but at what toll I started realizing that like my health, like I would never be able to do that. I just, because what will happen is I'll have a flare and then I won't be able to show up for a month or two because I need to take care of myself. And like, that's not, I don't view that as, right for the team and right for the company the thing that i'm building it's like i'm being selfish by building something that i know is going to kill me and then i'm not going to be able to give my best to the people that would be around me so i took a step back and that was like okay how do i lean into silence and lean into slowing down and then maybe potentially help other people that have my issue do the same thing and that's where this whole like learning more about health and my health and like how do I not have to leave? How can I work in this office by myself, but impact the world? Like switching the equation to, even though I love people, I can run events every once in a while, but my day to day is more just focused on me because if I do that, I feel like I'm going to live a more prosperous life. And that's the ultimate goal that any human being should have is just like fill your cup, then fill others. And I was doing the exact opposite. Um, prior to this and it was taking a toll on like another thing is like the silence helped me hang out with Aaron more. And like, I know we're going to be trying to have kids in the next two or three years, spend more time with them, this new way that I'm going about things. So it's, I love, I love the question. Thank you for asking me that. But yeah. Do you, s- do you think this was ins- inspired through COVID? I think I was on this path anyway. I think COVID sped it up. Because I was already like kind of like reclusing myself from projects I and people I didn't really want to be working on. And I started dialing into more of like my personal side of things and like sharing more of that. And um, I was already doing the blood work before COVID yeah. happened. Um, I was already leaning into that side of things. I was already grooming <laughs> younger teenagers and young professionals to potentially help me where they could run something and I can just advise. So I was already doing innately doing that. I just wasn't fully like now I know who I am and what I want and where yeah. I want to go. And I think that the reason I'm telling it in this elongated way is anybody else out there that there's no right way to do anything. And that was the big problem with me is I read all these books on entrepreneurship and I read about these people building thousand person companies and becoming billion dollar valuation. I know in my heart that I could do that and they dropping just, they my ego. They also talk about the toll that it takes. Yes. And dropping and the ego. i that in yeah. Silicon Valley. Like 
it's they're not the happiest people. Some of the most mis- like the most successful, the most unhappy. I look at myself like you asked about mentors before we hopped yeah. on here. Like I read a lot. Books are my mentors. Like Richard Branson, like oh, yeah, building virgin and like he built companies so that he could have fun and his friends could have fun. Yeah. Like that's how I view the world. Yeah. But he also like I'm not him. Like I can't there's only a level that I can operate at and a and a groove that I can operate at where there is in the back of my mind like I can only push myself to a certain level or I'm at risk of XYZ. Like totally. it's proven in my family. It's also proven in my like within my house. Like if I push myself to my limit, like I'm not a great person to be around. It affects my relationship with Aaron and that takes a toll on the business and everything we're doing. And it was just yeah. like I tried to hack it for a couple of years and I just started realizing that this is not for me. I so now the goals are I want to be, do podcasts. This is like, I could do three of these a day. This energizes me yeah, and it doesn't take so a lot out of me. And I'm helping people because the more people that hear your story, the better. Second thing is like writing, writing books. And the third thing is just like producing. So like YouTube is like my first like venture into being the sole producer yeah. of something. So, I mean, I do Instagram and stuff like that, but I'm talking like more high level production of, of video and, and media so yeah it's exciting i think um like we're very similar in the way where i think i believe so like i'm i've always been a go-getter like i'm like have a goal and i'm like put all my energy towards it but then i like kill myself in the process and like so you know sitting back and reflecting and like taking more time to like what you said kind of just be silent and just you know chill i've just always been go 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 but now that i've like kind of taking that approach to life, I just feel happier. And like a, a thing that helps me has helped me with that is just gratitude and just remembering like, you know, I'm like grateful for this and this and this because there's so many things we take for granted. Especially right now, like with everything going on in the world and like small businesses and restaurants not doing well, like there's a lot of people suffering and we really only see what's in the sphere of our friends and our community and, you know, who we follow on social media. And sometimes we just forget about, you know, the other people out there who are not in as fortunate positions. And it's something I think about a lot, but I'm also of the believer that humans choose to suffer. We're the only beings. So I was at a, I was at a talk and we're the only animals that choose to suffer. So a good instance is like, we're on the Serengeti in Africa and you have an antelope and it gets bitten by a lion. The antelope doesn't go to antelopes anonymous and start crying that it got bitten by a lion it keeps running because if it doesn't keep running yeah, it dies totally so like humans like we tend to sit and that's why i love what you did with the psychedelic therapy where you forgive yourself earlier because that's essentially like most people choose to suffer that's they the do. story that they allow themselves to believe and i think i was telling myself that story like i would tell myself oh i can't do this because like internally i'd never externally told this to anyone but I, I thought that I thought that not telling anybody that I felt like shit and I'm powering through it was being valiant and being yeah. pride like being a man and whatever. But it was actually being idiotic and stubborn and literally creating suffering not only for myself, but suffering for somebody else. And that's what changed my whole view is I can suffer with the best of them myself, right? I'll go through pain. Yeah. But if I'm this person that's trying to help other people and trying to lead this life as a leader of saying like, I care about people, how am I going to make the people I say that I love the most suffer? 
Yeah. And that's what completely changed. And that's what so many people do in their own families. They hold things in because they're thinking that they're this, it, they let the ego get developed. Yep. They think that they're doing the right thing and that they're valiant and that they're the strong person. But they're not only creating suffering within themselves, they're creating suffering for somebody else. And that's what I don't like about the world is like, that's what America is, is my suffering is worse than your suffering. That's what we do with that's each so other. That's so true. Because no matter whether you're a billionaire or you're homeless, you're suffering. But each person, we don't get along because the billionaire's suffering is worse than the homeless person's suffering. And we try to tell that story rather than saying suffering is suffering. Yeah. And saying, you know what? Like, whether I'm homeless or I'm a billionaire, I refuse to suffer in ways that I don't need to. And that's really where digging into my own health and digging into science was if I was able to be more chill and more silent, that's me suffering in a small moment. Yeah. Right. Because I'm like, oh, I don't like this. But it's teaching me something that'll help me not have to make somebody else suffer. Exactly. Because everyone's impacted by, like, that's why I think it's really important to do work on yourself and, like, to constantly work on growth is because everyone's impacted by you, you know, and, like, the the and, like the amount or the lack of work that you've done on yourself. Um, and so like, do you know, the, the, so you're 100%. I love how you just set, phrased that you met me at the Tuesday morning runs, right? Yeah. So the reason that I got involved really was because I hate the run. Mike, <laughs> me too. But I, even, was like, I don't I even have think to say he yes met me. He started it. He like, he like DM'd a couple of us. And I was like, this is going to make me feel better going into my work. This was during the summer. It was like, it's going to make me feel better going into my work day, which is going to bleed over to everyone that's working around me that day. That's how I thought. I was like, I so I'm going to suffer for these six minutes. Yeah. And then this six minutes of suffering is going to bleed into positive, like CJ in the office for the rest of that day. And that's going to have a ripple effect. That's how I started thinking. About I love it. that. And that's that's where, such like, a cool way to think about it. I love it. And most people don't like they don't. And that's, I don't, this year has been the year of like, I started thinking everything is connected. Yeah. Like the world, 100%. like we're connected to the ground, we're connected to everything going on. And that, that's where I've seen it. Like I feel it, I see it. I like, I met you there. Like I just, yeah. because I've been doing this for so long events and, and doing random things and choosing little micro blips of suffering. I choose that suffering rather. A lot of us don't choose our suffering and we just sit in it and we escape it. And that's where, yeah, I Which think. Which comes to like alcohol, like oftentimes it's an escape, right? Like, you know, it's people are doing that because they're, they're not willing to face something within themselves. Yeah, it's, you're either, I think it's two, with alcohol, it's two things. It's, especially for me, I had a long work week when I didn't like my job. Yeah. So immediately it's like, I need to blow off some steam. And I need energy to blow off the steam because I'm depleted. So the alcohol gives me that short burst of energy, but then I'm even more depleted. Or it's the other person who uses it as the depressant side of things, where it's the numb side of things, where things are going on and I just don't want to think about them. And and the reason I just describing this is if you're this type of person, either which way is just like you. We've been mentioning psychedelics, cannabis, meditation, nutrition fitness yeah <laughs> all all the above right like there's no right way just like i said but start digging into your own personal journey with all of those and i think that where i want to kind of end this is 
the silence also helped me set no expectations. So I liked earlier where you talked about my biggest takeaway from this conversation, because I say it at the end of everything, is where you said no attachment. Like, how do you not become attached to things? And that's where like 2020 did that for me. Like, I like Aaron has heard me say this, where it's just like, I don't care if you take my money, my car, my house, my office, I'm still going to be fine. Because if as long as I have the people around me, I have another day that I woke up, like I'm going to make something happen. I'm confident in my arm, my two arms, my my heart and, and my lungs. I'm going to make something happen. And I think if a lot of people can get away from attaching to things, this world is going to be a better place. But anybody that listened to this conversation, <laughs> my ultimate goal with Thrive on Life is to always connect people and build community. And I would love for you to get in contact with Sarah if anything that we were talking about hit home with you, where's the best place for any of our audience to reach you? And Probably Instagram. You? Instagram, what yeah. is your handle? Sarah, S-A-R-A-H dot Kaney, K-A-N-E-Y. Awesome. And before <laughs> we hop off, I have one last question for you. I'm asking this of everybody in 2021 so that I have this little book at the end of the year. What does it mean to thrive to you? I think just to have an optimistic view on life to be happy, surrounded by community. And as you said, to not attach. I love it. So if you want to thrive in 2021, don't attach to what 2021 could be or should be. Instead, surrender. Surrender and go out and live. (laughs) This is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. I love y'all. Have a happy and healthy 2021. Connect with us. We'd love to help (laughs) you get to your next level. Thrive on, y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.